Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer from the below. Welcome to Lobby Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family and Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you as Joining me in segment number two, we are going to have Justin Perry aboard. He does tremendous work over at Chalk Quality Bets. We're just going to get his thoughts on how to gauge this next week with a lot of teams that are potentially going to be buyers, that are potentially going to be sellers, where he's seeing a little bit of value in terms of the futures market. We're also going to be taking a look at just what we've been getting in terms of ballpark conditions, as we have seen quite a few overs ever since the All-Star break. So we're going to be diving in a little bit more on this front and just the way to be able to play baseball after the trade deadline when we do get a lot of these very demonstrative money lines, because it does become a little bit harder to find value when you've got the Dodgers as like north of minus $3 favorites against poopy teams like the Washington Nationals, the Kansas City Royals. Sorry, Nationals and Royals fans, but we're going to be diving in on that front as well. So a little bit more strategy and a little bit more betting philosophy in segment number two, as Justin does a tremendous job with that and so much more over at Chalk Quality Bets. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Gina underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not get in a lot of Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Sunday. Let's dive in. Let's take a look at some trends and find out a little bit more about these teams. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. I bring this one up first because I'm salty. I made the DK Network pick the money line of the Seattle Mariners, and they fall by a count of 4-3. to three. It was sitting with men in scoring position that ultimately decided this one. The Blue Jays, they go 2-7 of seven with men in scoring position. The Mariners had men on first and second with no outs, men on second and third with one out. And they don't come up big. They go 1 of 8 with men in scoring position as Brian Wu. A little bit of a rough start here. He didn't give up a lot of contact, but 
gave up a pair of home runs, gave up a cheap Wii to Vlad Guerrero Jr. that hardly went out, 17th home run season, then Brandon Belt, he goes deep for home run number 8 of the season, and for Alec Manoa, Manoa what? He wasn't too bad, he gave up a home run, 3 runs in total over the course of 5 and a third innings, giving up 2 runs in the second inning, and then settled down from there, Mike Ford was able to get his 11th home run season from there. All the bullpens were relatively solid in this game, Taylor Sakato, along with Paul Sewald, Isaiah Campbell. They all lend a squirrel sending him for Toronto. Tim Meza, Trevor Richards, Jordan Romano, all lend a squirrel sending in Eric Swanson. It will get a pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless. So another under for the Blue Jays and a W for them to be able to avoid the sweep. It dug 12 innings, but the uh, Minnesota Twins, they get it done against the Chicago White Sox by a count of 5-4. to four. As For Minnesota, they came up with three runs in the ninth inning to be able to push this game to extra innings. Kendall Graveman, well, he pooped on the grave of the Chicago White Sox in this one. As Lucas Giolito, you would have liked to see him lend a little bit more length, but he pitches five scoreless innings. From there, you get a scoreless inning out of Joe Kelly, a rarity of Bernaldo Lopez, two scoreless innings, and then Kendall Graveman gives up three runs in that inning. You have from there, Tanner Banks come in for two innings. He gives up an unearned run with the ghost runner, and then Jesse Schultons, two-thirds of an inning. He allows the unearned run that allows the Twins to be able to walk it off. For the White Sox, by the way, how you play 12 innings and you only strand eight men on base is just absolutely mind-numbing as Eloy Jimenez was able to go deep for home run number 13 of the season. And this was the first home run of the season, and I believe the first home run of the career of Zach Remillard. Remillard, a young 29-year-old that's actually been able to move line for the White Sox. Both of those home runs come off of Bailey Ober, gave up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of six innings. From there, bullpen was immaculate for the Minnesota Twins as Ore Lopez, Griffin Jacks, Emilio Pagan, all landed squirrels setting you on Duran. He gives up an unearned run in extras and then Oliver Ortega. Two squirrels setting. So the Minnesota Twins, one of your top under teams in all of baseball, they're able to get that one through. If you're looking at how teams have performed on the road, the LA Dodgers have had the most road overs in baseball this year. 66% of the road games have gone over. Guess what? Another over on Sunday. 8-4, the Texas Rangers, after getting destroyed on Saturday and having Brad Miller pitch some relief, they were able to get some revenge as Emmett Sheehan was not long for this game. He gives up eight runs in three and two-thirds innings. Doesn't give up any home runs, but death by a million cuts. The bullpen from there, which has actually been much better recently for the Dodgers, they did their part. Alex Vesia, one of the third-inning scrolls. Evan Phillips, Ryan Brazier, Justin Brule, they're all able to end a squirrel setting. And you did have in the first inning Max Muncy go deep for his 24th home run season. That comes off of Martin Perez, who does give up four runs over the course of six innings, including that home run, but more than enough to be able to get this one in. As for Texas, Brock Burke, Aroldis Chapman, Will Smith, they get jiggy with it. They all give you a squirrel setting. The LA Angels, they just continue to rack up wins. They have lost just one game in the last week. Seven to five, they take down the Pittsburgh Pirates as... For the Buccos, it was one Mitch Keller walking the plank, giving up six runs over the course of five innings, including a trio of home runs. You have Shoy Otani do it again, 36th home run season. And then Luis Ranifo goes eat for home run number eight of the season. An unexpected source of power in Andrew Velasquez. He was able to get his first home run of the campaign. And then Ranifo a little bit later on in the game off of Angel Perdomo. He gets home run number nine of the season for Perdomo. Gives up one run and one and a third innings. Throw you Moretta. Pair of outside the bullpen scoreless. Colin Holderman, he lived up to it. He gave a scoreless setting, but for the Angels, after Tyler Anderson gave up four runs in six innings, including home run, going deep for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ryan Reynolds gets his 10th home run season. Bullpen actually did a relatively solid job. Carlos Aceves, Matt Moore, both on the scoreless inning, and Jacob Webb, he gives up a run in an inning, but the Angels, they're able to get that one done. 
Also being able to get it done, how about the Detroit Tigers? They get a 3-1 win over the San Diego Padres. Just nothing doing off of Alex Fiedo. Fiedo gives up one hit in six scoreless innings. Bo Brisky from there gives up a run in an inning, but Jason Foley, along with Alex Lang, they both deliver a scoreless inning in for the Detroit Tigers. Pair of home runs in this one. Spencer Torkelson goes off of Joe Musgrove deep. 15th home run season at Andy Abanez is 7th for Musgrove. Does give up three runs in six innings. You expect a little bit more there from there. Stephen Wilson, Tom Cosgrove both lend a scoreless inning, but absolutely nothing doing for this San Diego Padres offense, who is now 48-52, and 52, and you gotta wonder what their approach is going to be at the trade deadline. Well, it looks like the Royals are going to be sellers at the trade deadline, and the Yankees probably should be, but the Yankees are able to get the sweep. They uh, pull it off against the Kansas City Royals by a count of 8-5, to five. and for Jordan Lyles, another loss. Gives up five runs over the course of five innings, including two home runs. Going deep for the Yankees. Anthony Rizzo with his first home run since May. 12th home run of the season. Glaber Torres, 16th home run of the campaign as well. And my goodness gracious, the Royals are now 1-18 and in Jordan Lyles' 19 starts this season. Just absolute sadness. Scott Barlow from there. Three runs, two of which are earned. Give it up in two-thirds of an inning. Jose Cuas, Taylor Clark, they both lend a scoreless setting, and Nick Wickren gets it out of the bullpen scoreless. And for Luis Severino, it wasn't necessarily a work of art. He gives up a pair of home runs, three runs in total, of course, of five and two-thirds innings. Says going deep off of him, Salvador Perez, 16th home run season. Michael Massey, 7th home run season. Then Freddie Fermin goes deep off of Ron Medanaccio, his 5th home run season. Medanaccio gives one up to Kyle Isabel as well. It's third for Medanaccio, very fun name to say. He gives up a pair of solo home runs over the course of his inning of work, but did enough to be able to get it done in Hamilton. One and a third inning scoreless. Michael King was the king of being able to get a scoreless inning in this one. So that was able to get that one to the window. Giants lose back-to-back games to the Washington Nationals. This by a count of 6-1 to one as it has been a relatively rough season for the Washington Nationals, but Riley Adams, he was able to go deep in this one. Home run number four of the season, that comes off of Anthony DiSclafani. DiSclafani was pretty much a bulk guy coming in off of Scott Alexander. Alexander, the opener, gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. He takes his first loss of the season. DiSclafani gives up four runs in four and a third innings. From there, Jacob Junis, two scoreless innings. Taylor Rogers comes in for a scoreless inning as well. And then Jack Peterson, he gets the seventh home run season off of Amos Willingham. And that's the only run that the Giants would get. Willingham gives up that home run in an inning. But Mackenzie Gore was terrific, five scoreless innings. Jordan Williams, Mason Thompson, Joe LaSorsa, they were all able to give you a scoreless inning as well. The Tampa Bay Rays have played a little bit north of 60% of their home games over the total thus far this season. And, well, they've been having a little bit more of a rough go of it recently as the Baltimore Orioles come in and they get a 5-3 win. This was one of those totals in which they were not able to get it over as this was a total of 8.5. And, and for some reason, the race got bet up to a minus 155. And Tyler Wells, not like he pitched necessarily Wells, giving up three runs in four and a third innings going deep for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yandy Diaz, 14th home run season, but the bullpen at his back. Mike Bauman, two and two-thirds innings in long relief. Scoreless. Senior Cano, Felix Batista. They both turn a scoreless inning in for Baltimore. They go just 2 of 11 with men in scoring position, but a pair of home runs were very beneficial. Gunnar Henderson, 16th home run season off of Taj Bradley, and then Colin Boucher gives one up to Ryan Hearn, 8th home run of the season. For Bradley, gives up three runs over the course of five innings. Boucher gives up a run and an inning before Jake Diekman is on the hook for an under run and a third of an inning. Zach Liddell, two scoreless innings. Jason Adam, he got a pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless as well. But for the Baltimore Orioles, they find themselves in first place in the AL East. Really first time all season long. 
since the Tampa Bay Rays had that good start to the season. So now Orioles have been able to regain that footing. The Cincinnati Reds, they remain very active in the NL Central hunt. 7-3, they're able to get it done against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Apparently, giving Elliot De La Cruz Saturday off was very beneficial. He goes deep early in this game. Fifth home run of the campaign, that comes off of Jose Ruiz. Ruiz gives one up to Nick Senzel as well. His eighth home run season for Ruiz as the opener. He gives up three runs and one and two-thirds innings, including those two home runs. From there, Tyler Gilbert gives up two runs in two and two-thirds innings. Miguel Castro gives up two runs in an inning. Luis Frias was able to give you a scoreless inning. And Kyle Nelson, five outs out of the bullpen, scoreless. But for the Diamondbacks, they also left 11 men on base. You did have Corbin Carroll go deep, 21st home run season. That does come off of the starter and Luke Weaver, who gave up three runs in four innings. Weaver, by the way, I believe, has given up three-plus runs in all but two of his starts thus far the season. That was start number 17, so... Yeah, he's not necessarily had the world's greatest year. You had Levi Stout along with Lucas Sims piecemeal together a scoreless inning in. Fernando Cruz, Buck Farmer, Derek Law, Ian Gabo. They all lend a scoreless inning for the Cincinnati Reds. A team that has been very good to the under at home thus far this season. That would be the Cleveland Guardians. And for the Guardians, this game was overwhelming as they fall by a count of 8-5 to five to the Philadelphia Phillies. As for the Guardians, right around 64.5% of their home games have gone under this season. And for Aaron Nola, he wasn't super, but he wasn't terrible. Gives up three runs over the course of seven innings, but he continues to give up the deep balls. He did allow a pair of home runs. Stephen Kwong gets his fourth home run season. Andre Jimenez, he gets home run number nine of the season. And this game went to extra innings because you had the short fry and David Fry be able to get his third home run of the campaign that comes off of Craig Kimbrell. As for Craig Kimbrell, not reliable in this one, giving up that home run in an inning. All in all, he's actually had a very good season. But Gregory Soto, he goes for a scoreless inning along with Junior Marte of the Marte Parte. Jeff Hoffman does give up the unearned run and starts on second base and extras. But Phillies get it done because they go 4 of 11 with men in scoring position for the Guardians. Avion Curry got the essentially open in this one. He gave up one run over the course of three innings. From there, Mike Kelly along with Eli Morgan and Yo De Los Santos. They all end a squirrel setting. Sam Entiges continues to be the albatross of the Guardians bullpen, though. Gives up two runs over the course of an inning. Nick Sandlin gives up a run in an inning. And then you had Trevor Steven give up one run in an inning in extras. And then Tim Aaron, he went for a full inning. They tried him out there in the 10th inning. Couldn't get a lot going. Three runs, two of which were earned given up by him. The Atlanta Braves were unable to get a lot of offense going, but they got enough to be able to get it done against the Milwaukee Brewers. 4-2 to the final as Bryce Elder continues to be rock solid, giving up two runs over the course of six innings. The regression monster is hungry, and he did have Bryce Terang get a home run off of him. Fourth home run season, but all in all did his part, but Julio Tehran, I mean, he was just let down by his bullpen in this one. Gives up one run in six innings. I have no idea who, how Julio Tehran has been able to do it all season long, but all he gave up was a solo run to Travis Darno, ninth home run season, and Ozzy Albies, he left the building off of Elvis. Elvis Piguero gives up three runs over the course of an inning before he was escorted out, giving up that home run, 23rd of the season. Ebenezer Uribe, along with Hobie Milner, were able to combine for a scoreless setting, and J.C. Mejia gave you a scoreless setting as well, but for the Atlanta Braves, they got it done with their bullpen as you had Ben Eller, Rossi Iglesias, along with Des Bell Hernandez making his MLB debut. They all lend a squirrel setting to be able to get that one to the window. It was a little bit airy, but the Miami Marlins were able to get a 3-2 win over the Colorado Rockies. Not a lot doing for really either of these offenses as Luis Arias was able to get the RBI single that led the team to victory as the piecemeal game for the Colorado Rockies actually did not turn out too bad. Ty Block 
He goes for three scoreless innings before Connor Siebold, who he really failed as a starter. He's now in the bullpen. It's not going any better for him in the bullpen. Gave up two runs over the course of two innings, but Brent Suter, two scoreless innings. Brad Hand, scoreless inning. Justin Lawrence, scoreless inning. And then Pierce Johnson, shock, shock, surprise, surprise. He gives up the game-winning run, unearned run, give it up in the 10th inning. And for the Rockies, their two home runs in this game, they were both solo shots as Randall Gritchick in the ninth inning got his sixth home run of the season off of A.J. Puck. That actually sent this game to extra innings. And then you had home run number seven of the season for one Mr. Brenton Doyle. He was able to go deep off of Ace Cesardo, who all in all had a good start. 13 strikeouts, gives up that home run over the course of seven innings. Tanner Scott, he was able to end a scoreless second, and then A.J. Puck gives up that home run in the ninth and two-thirds of an inning before Uskar Brazoban. He's able to get the final four outs of the game scoreless to be able to get that one to the window. Also being able to get to the window, the Chicago Cubs, 7-2. They're able to take down the St. Louis Cardinals. For the Cardinals, it's just been a rough season for them in general. Jordan Montgomery had been very good coming into this game. Seven runs, five of which were earned. Give it up in six innings, including Cody Bellinger's 14th home run season. I believe that he is leading the big leagues right now in Total hits over the course of the month of July. From there, Zach Thompson was able to end two scoreless innings, but damage had been done as the Cubs got all seven of their runs in their first three innings of the game. And for Jamison Tyon, just one run allowed in five and two-thirds innings. He had given up three-plus runs in ten out of his previous 12 starts. Michael Rucker not out of the bullpen. He did have Anthony Kay give up a run in one and a third innings, but Javier Assad cleans up the final five outs of the game scoreless. And then you saw the Houston Astros win but not cover the run line by a count of three to two. It's absolutely hilarious how the Oakland A's continue to cover these run lines. Over the course of their last 41 games, the Oakland A's are 27-14 on the run line. But for the Astros, they're able to get this one done off of a pair of home runs. Mauricio Dubon in the ninth inning, he comes up with home run number five of the season. And a little bit earlier in the game, Yanir Diaz got his 11th of the season. That came off of Luis Medina. Back-to-back good starts for Luis Medina. Gives up just one run over the course of five innings from there, Sammy Long. He gives up a run in an inning. Tanner Scott, same all. They both got a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless and then giving up that home run in the ninth inning. Chad Smith, who gave up that sole shot in one and two-thirds innings for the A's. Really, the main form of offense was J.J. Blade. He went deep for his eighth home run season early on off of Hunter Brown, who gave up two runs over the course of six innings from there. Seth Martinez, Hector Neris, Brian Abreu. They're all able to give you a scoreless inning. And then on Sunday Night Baseball, not a good showing for the New York Mets as the Boston Red Sox. They get it done by a count of 6-1 on 15 hits, by the way. Rafael Devers, he was able to get his 24th home run of the season. That came a little bit later on off of Dominic Leon, who gave up a home run in an inning. And honestly, the Mets bullpen wasn't bad. It was Carlos Cookie Carrasco who went two and a third innings, giving up 10 hits, five runs, all of which were earned. From there, Drew Smith, one and two-thirds innings, scoreless. Trevor Gott, David Peterson, Adam Adovino, they all lend a scoreless inning. While for the Red Sox, it was one of those bullpen games with Brian Bernardino serving as the opener, got five outs without giving up a run. Chris Murphy gives up one run in three and two-thirds innings, and from there, everyone did their part. Joe Jacquez, along with Chris Martin, they combined for a scoreless inning. Josh Winkowski, he was able to get a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Yoli Rodriguez and Brandon Walter, they also lend a scoreless saying to be able to get it done and for the Mets 46 and 53 goodness gracious it has not been going well for them and if you've been looking at either blindly taking overs or unders this year it's not been going well for you as well as it's pretty much as 50 50 as it gets 702 unders to 700 overs thus far this season favorites they're at a rate of about 58.7 percent 853 and 600 on the money line straight up but among these favorites 
220 have failed to cover the run line. It's really been the last seven days that favorites have been having, shall we say, a little bit of a rough time of it. As favorites on the money line, they're hitting at about 60% over the last seven days. But among the favorites that have been able to win outright, we have seen a grand total of 15 not be able to cover the run line. If you're taking a look at the last 30 days of Major League Baseball, 194 and 134. So 59% is what favorites are hitting at on the money line, but 50 have failed to cover the run line. And in the last 30 days, we have seen 164 overs to 149 under. So that's about a 52.4% hit rate to the over and over the last seven days. Overs hitting at actually a little bit sub 50%, but we have been seeing some crazy things happening in baseball recently. So coming up next, we are going to be talking about those with one of our good friends, Justin Perry. He does great work over at Chalk Quality Bets. We're going to be taking a look at gauging totals this time of year with the weather really cranked up. We're also going to be talking about how to gauge some of these demonstrative money lines once the trade deadline comes and goes and teams that might have a little bit of value on the futures market as well. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the VC Family Podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back to Love You Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast. Always great to be joined by this man, Justin Perry. He does absolutely tremendous work taking a look at so many different things. WNBA, NBA, college basketball, baseball, football, you name it, he does it. He is a absolutely massive contributor over there at Shock Quality and Shock Quality Bets. And currently this time of year has been doing a great job on the baseball front. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Justin Perry, the number eight. Last name is spelled P-E-R-R-I. And Justin, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, it's always a pleasure to be here. Excited to chat a little bit of baseball midsummer. You know, there's not too much to talk about, but... Still some exciting odds to maybe get some value on in some of these pennant races. Yep, there is going to be a lot of pennant races of note, and there's a lot of note right now because the trade deadline, it is coming up in a little bit under a week. And how do you gauge some of these teams that are currently on the fence? Because I feel like this year, unlike many other years, we do have more teams that are sort of in a strange circumstance where it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to be buyers, but at the same time, A team like the Mets, a team like the Padres, it feels like they might have went a little bit too far in, and they really can't be sellers either. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting position for a lot of these teams, a little bit of a conundrum when you kind of, you know, lean in early in the season, and it just honestly doesn't pan out at all. I mean, you could talk about the Mets, you could talk about the Cardinals, maybe even like the Padres who have had a little bit of a weak first half and and maybe feel like they should have done better. You know, there's some teams that, you know, on the contrary have done well, but maybe feel like they aren't really in the race for the whole thing. Marlins come to mind. I mean, you know, the Diamondbacks feel a little fluky. There's definitely a lot for people to consider here at the deadline. I think there's, you know, some good reason for the Mets to be, to our team like the Mets to be like, all right, like we tried, you know, we probably are getting out of the NL, the Braves, the Dodgers, and, you know, behind them, the Phillies probably all have a really legitimate shot besides us. So do we try to capitalize and keep building on the young talent and the core that we've developed? Of course, they went all in and paid Scherzer and Verlander $40 million apiece. But there's teams like this on both sides. The AL looks a little bit different because everybody seems to be winning, especially in the East. It feels like whoever can get hot in the AL at the right time come you know October, September, that crucial period there, whoever can get really, like, in the zone and their aces start performing like everybody has the capability it's just who's going to actually 
win those big playoff series, make those big plays, have those big games. The NL, obviously, you know, the odds kind of reflect. It feels like a two-horse race between the Dodgers and the Braves. With the Dodgers and the Braves. And, hey, I'll throw in there the San Francisco Giants. I think that there's a case to be made that the Giants might be the second-best team in the National League. As Justin Berry does great work at Chalk Valley Bets is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And how much in the National League do you want to be taking a look at some of these teams and how they play the next week in terms of being able to gauge futures value? Because I do think that, like, the Reds versus Brewers series that comes up on Monday, I think that it's absolutely critical what we see over the next few days out of a team like the Chicago Cubs. Do they get the reeling White Sox? You're able to go down the list. The Padres, they get the, Pod- they get the Pirates this week. I think that gauging some of those series is very big as to what some of these National League teams are going to do because I'm noticing a lot of these National League playoff teams, say it's really the Miami Marlins, who they are on the road against the Tampa Bay Rays, who the Rays are reeling a little bit as well. They've got a lot of favorable series that could give them a little bit of hope going into the deadline. That's interesting. I think at this point you need to definitely study some of the series that remain because there's not too many. There's definitely some tough games for everybody in that AL East. There's definitely some tougher games for teams. Some of the NL Central teams actually have a tough lineup coming up this year and their season. It's definitely very interesting. I think one of the teams that stands out, honestly, is the Rays. They do technically have the tougher opponents remaining. So like they did have a little bit of a you know, light and loaded schedule. Some of the opponents they have left, they only see the Rockies in the series, the Tigers in the series. Other than that, you know, they're going to have two series against the Blue Jays, two series against the Yankees. These are going to be, you know, crucial games, five games against the Orioles as well left for them. Some of the teams that are going to maybe have an easier path to things here are going to be teams like Detroit in the AL Central. The Twins have a very easy look as well in the AL. You know, the Texas Rangers should probably cruise into what they're looking at. They have two series left against the A's, which are always beneficial. So I'd like to take a look at some of those strength schedules, who these, like, you know, upcoming series are against, so that, you know, when you're going into a tough series and you're getting a decent price, it's probably not the best time to buy in, right? You probably want to wait for before an easy series for the price to reflect how a team is done. Oftentimes, the bad teams do tend to surrender a series more often than not. Yeah, with some of these bad teams as well, they're just going to be getting worse as they sell off pieces at the trade trade deadline as well. And that's something that I do want to get into as well, because once we do see the trade deadline come and go in about a week, week and a half or so, we are going to be seeing these money lines get even more demonstrative. Like, you think that some of these minus 225 so these minus 235 lines are big time they're going to be going up even more so when you do have some of these guys like i'm looking at the white Sox starters getting traded and i do think that that is something to really dive in on because it is going to be a little bit harder to find value in terms of more of the traditional markets of baseball once august and september hits yeah i mean you expect guys like Lucas Giolito to move, um, you know, some other big names, you know, the Cardinals, pitchers, Montgomery, Flaherty seem like guys who are probably going to be changing their cap. Marcus Stroman has been talks. And assuming that the top teams in the league acquire these names, you're going to see teams like the Cardinals, maybe a little more so the White Sox, have some of these very steep lines. I tend to lean towards the plus money. A general sense, I think, more often than not, it's still a baseball game. How often do you see a team who's not expected to win put on the 
unexpected performance and just more general than not, I think it, you know, lines up into the happening or the actuality of it all where people want to bet on the winners. And so when a team is billed as a winner, it can often be easy for more and more people to pile on the line to get a little bit steeper. There's still games that can go the way of luck, the way of chance, the way of a little bit of a bad angle on a batted ball, leaving another warning track versus a home run. And I think given the inability to predict baseball, you tend to want to take a plus 200, a plus 225 more often than not. And of course, you should definitely make sure that you're looking into the pitcher and understanding why the line is where it is. But if there is some reason to believe that a pitcher is maybe being overvalued on the side, that's the steep favorite. Yeah, I think there's probably money to be made taking the underdog in the right scenarios as we get down the line in these games. You still have young players out there trying to prove themselves. You're going to catch players on off nights, pitchers on nights where they don't have it. And more often than not, you'll return value playing the plus 200 than minus 225. With a lot of these teams as well, it's just one of those cases where if you take a look at the money line on a Major League Baseball game where you do get a minus $3 favorite, if you take a look at, say, a sport like football, for instance, that's the equivalence of if you're looking at the week one games, because I think that this is a really good apples-to-apples apples comparison, like the Lions versus Kansas City Chiefs. That is right. a game that happens on week one. If you look at Circa right now, the point spread is seven. The Detroit, the Detroit Lions, they're about plus 240 or so on the money line. That's the equal of, like, the Colorado Rockies going up against – the Houston Astros going up against the Atlanta Braves. We were seeing quite a few of those minus $3 lines. So I do think that that's very important to keep note of. I mean, the uh, difference between teams in, say, the NFL, much greater than that in baseball. So I do think that that's such a good point. As joining me on the show, we do have Justin Perry. He does tremendous work over at Shock Quality Bets. And Justin, when it comes to just actual teams are rounding in a form, teams are ascending slash declining, or a few that come to mind, because I know that you were venturing in the National League. It's obvious that the Atlanta Braves are a number one. And I do think that there's a good case to be made for the LA Dodgers at number two. But I still do think that the San Francisco Giants, if there is a team that's going to be wrecking the apple cart in the National League, they might be that team with the way that they platoon. I love the way that their bullpen has come on. And really since the beginning of the month of May, they have been one of the more rock-solid teams in all of baseball. They're a team that I'm very high on. Is there a few teams in general that have been standing out to you that you think there might be a little bit of value on? Or maybe there's a team that has been becoming a little bit overvalued and you're looking to fade them right now. It's tough, honestly, Greg, here in in late July to really hone in on that value. I think there's been a lot of opportunities to kind of grab those types of positions over the last few weeks. I think if you've been looking at the Rays all season and you've liked what you've seen, this is probably as good of a time as any to get in on them. They are no longer the you know the top team by record. You can get like plus two eighty, plus two fifty is out there at some of the worst odds possible. But you're still looking at decent money for them to make the World Series. Look behind McClanahan, who probably had one of his worst starts of this year against the Orioles on Saturday. It's as good of a time as any. Outside of them, it's definitely still kind of tough. I think my favorite long shot is going to be the Blue Jays. If there's a team that can get hot, that has the pitching, that has the hitting, that maybe just hasn't put it together. If you can get 900, 800, I think some spots as high as like a 1,000 odds. It's a pretty big ask, but if anyone's going to get hot, it's going to be them. I think you can sort of ignore 
some of the noise with the Yankees, the Guardians, the Mariners, the Red Sox. I mean, maybe the Angels. They really think they keep Otani. Maybe you can put money on them, but assuming they don't, these bottom teams don't really have a dog in the fight. I do like the value as sort of like the number four, number five team in the AL with the Blue Jays to win that pennant to make an American League run and end up against a team like the Dodgers or the Braves there in the World Series. I think it's still very, very possible with Gaussman, Bassett, and the bullpen that the Blue Jays have. So that's my favorite dark horse right now if you like a pennant play. There is going to be a lot of movement in general. And as we know in baseball, just as the LA Dodgers, just because you finish number one in your league does not mean that you're automatically going to the World Series. It doesn't mean that you win the World Series because even last year, a Philly team that they wouldn't have been in the playoffs like two, three years ago in 2021 because of that added wild card spot. They were the team that actually made the World Series as well. So I do think that that's always something to take note of. And sometimes if you don't like a team, when it comes to like August, September, just betting on series in the postseason, that could be rather profitable as well. And Justin, I do want to get your take on this as well, because I know that there's one thing that you do. There's many things that you do very well when it comes to taking a look at baseball. But one thing in particular is always taking a look at ballpark conditions, always taking a look to see how some of the little things are affecting baseball right now. And I want to get your take on what we've been seeing with totals ever since the All-Star break, as teams have been back now for little bit over two weeks and I've been noticing things have been rather harebrained recently we have been seeing a lot of games where teams are both getting to like eight plus runs we're seeing football style scores what do you attribute this to because overs they have been rather rampant in major league baseball over the last we're going to call it about 45 or so days and I do think that it is interesting to see just why it's happening and I do think that a big reason why is sort of the hot temperatures that we're seeing all across the country yeah I'm glad you kind of mentioned it you know, we're seeing a little bit of that uptick in the last, like, week, for sure. I think we almost saw one of the few days in MLB history that would have eclipsed 200 total runs. We got to, like, something like 196 runs or something. Definitely have been feeling those totals going over something like 53% in the last week. Nothing crazy. Nothing like what we saw this year in college basketball, which still sort of has me, like, thrown for a loop when I think about what it was like in that sport this year. But, I digress. It's definitely a little bit tough to quantify. The totals have been pretty fair. You're seeing a lot of nine and a halves. And then you just have like a lot of teams just can just blow out a total by themselves. I think it's pretty normal for late July. I think we'll continue to see some really favorable hitting conditions in some of the more favorable parks. Truist in Atlanta, Great American, even Yankee Stadium in the right conditions over that short porch. Not exactly the best, but Boston is always going to be a high-scoring run environment, and there's a few more. But those in particular will continue to provide really nice hitting conditions when you get those mid-80s, that decent humidity, the ball's just going to fly. So I think those are kind of hitting us a little bit harder, and there's been a little bit of like some aberrations in terms of teams like the Guardians and the Cubs really outscoring expected pace. So I wouldn't be shocked to see a little bit of a normalization as some of the better pitchers settle in. I know we saw some pretty bad outings from some pretty big names in the last few days in baseball. You know, Pablo Lopez, George Kirby. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Clanahan giving up runs to the Orioles even on Saturday. Like, some guys still maybe dealing with the big pause with the all-star break, getting back to their rhythm. I wouldn't be shocked to see August be a little bit more 
conservative in comparison to how far blown out some of these totals have been. So I wouldn't be running to go put your money on total over 15.5s. While it's still definitely going to happen more so in August than it did in May, I don't think you're going to see the same level, especially as some of these division races sharpen up and you see some of these top teams start to get like very efficient outings and shut out some of the weaker teams. I'd be looking to kind of play those totals based on matchups. The good offenses, the ones that deserve to make playoff runs will score and the bad ones will get shut out. So just look for the better teams to go over their team totals and the worst teams, especially after they sell off assets to, you know, struggle and go under their lines. I think that that's very well said, and it has been a very interesting landscape in general when it comes to baseball over the last few days. And Justin, you're one of the best in the business of being able to decipher it all and pull out a profit. So let the good people at home know it's on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. I appreciate it, Greg. Yeah, we're doing a lot of good NBA stuff right now while we sort of wind up and get everything ready over at Shop Quality Bets for the next college basketball season. Have some big improvements to our modeling, just the very basic core of shot quality in terms of evaluating shot processes. Our algorithms are getting smarter every day honestly so very excited for the next college basketball season debuting a new player simulation model alongside of the model that has led us to countless units of profit over the last season and then you know we're currently doing a lot of WNBA stuff as we wait NBA will be you know ready to go by time we get to tip off and you're going to blink a few times and it's going to be basketball season right so exciting to be coasting through baseball but before you know it we'll be back on the hardwood talking some basketball and winning some bets over there. Justin does a great job taking a look at so many different landscapes right now he's doing a tremendous job on the baseball front but Soon enough, it's going to be basketball season once again. Does a great job in the NBA. Does tremendous work in college basketball. And every single time he joins this podcast, lends tremendous insight. So big thanks to Justin for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to get Justin Perry aboard. Don't let the name Shock Quality Bets fool you as he does an amazing job on the baseball front. Take it a look at so many different factors. Take it a look day in and day out. For all the edges that you can find on the board, he does an amazing job of being able to unearth those in some many sports. So, big thanks to Justin for joining me in the last segment. And now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis 
on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore D1. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. Fortunately, this game is not going to be nice, clean, and easy as it's 951-952 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are on the road. They're facing off against the Washington Nationals. It is undecided going for the Nationals. It is undecided going for the Rockies. So this is a game that is presently off the board. I was seeing a little bit before Austin Gomber versus Patrick Corbin and it is looking like we should be getting Patrick Corbin in this one. Austin Gomber is right now a little bit of a question mark. And as I do this right now, I am seeing Jake Bird, which would make this a little bit more of a bullpen game. And if we do get Jake Bird up against Patrick Corbin, I'd be setting the Nationals as a minus 124 favorite. And that means I would need at least a plus 125 to take a shot on the Rockies, minus 123 or better, looking at the Nationals. And then this is a spot where at a 9 or less, I'd be taking a look at the over 9.5 or higher to the under. If you do get Gomber, he's actually given up two runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts he has been dramatically better with that regard and meanwhile for Patrick Corbett who I'm thinking we are going to be getting for the Washington Nationals he has not been able to get a lot of swings and misses this far this season a little bit over six strikeouts per nine innings to the credit of Patrick Corbin. he's been able to do a good job giving up fewer than three walks per nine innings but an ERA that's hovering right around 480 fielding independent of a 489 so we're right on par with one another he has given up three plus runs and now three out of his last five starts as well. And after the team got off to a really odd start to the season, they've cooled off a little bit. It's been a little bit more neither here nor there recently. And for Patrick Corbett, it's pitched a little bit better at home rather than on the road, but just a 455 home ERA as well. And you've got the two worst bullpens in the National League in terms of ERA, though. With the Rockies, you've got a couple more trustworthy pieces when Brent Suter. Now back to the fold, Justin Lawrence, along Daniel Barta, but he will give you a sub 3-5 ERA. Well, thanks to Pierce Johnson at Brad Hand have not necessarily been so good. And for the Washington Nationals, you're trying to find any sort of trustworthiness whatsoever. Amos Willingham, Corey Abbott, these are guys that have been absolutely terrible. Kyle Finnegan has honestly been able to do an okay job in this bullpen along Jordan Weems. But yeah, both of these bullpens are very untrustworthy. Meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, they always just have those very demonstrative home and road splits towards the top of the National League in terms of batting average at home. On the road, it is a case where they are only hitting right in the neighborhood about a 233, so and it's really been an issue for them. And what's even worse for the Colorado Rockies, and much of it is just due to the fact that they have been dealing with so many injuries, but this team is towards the bottom of the league in terms of total home runs. Right now, they are pounding out about 0.9 home runs per game on the road. That is the third fewest in the big leagues and the fewest in the National League. You've only got one guy that's been able to give you north of 11 home runs this year in Ryan McMahon, though C.J. Crone and Chris Bryant have been out for much of the season. They're back at full. Elias has been able to about a 275 and Randall Gritchick has been able to move the line as well, but and it's been a big, giant issue. Meanwhile, you've got a Washington Nationals team that they are not pounding the dot of the ball as well. They are 28th in the big leagues in terms of total home runs. You've got Lane Thomas along Jameer Candelario, who have both been able to provide 15-plus home runs. And that's about it with regards to the firepower. Keeper Weiss has been able to get to double-figure amount of homers as well. But Joey Manessa sits for about a 280. And all in all, Washington is number 5 in the big leagues in terms of batting average. 
They strike out the fewest amount of times on a per bat and a per game basis of any team in the National League. They just don't have any power to really be able to put up a lot of runs. So it's a good old something's got to give scenario. If we do get Jake Bird up against Patrick Corbin, I'd be setting the Nationals as a minus 124 favorite, and that means I would need at least a plus 125 to take a shot on the Rockies, minus 123 or better, looking at the Nationals. And then at a 9 or less, I'd be taking a look at the over 9.5 or higher to the under. 953, 954 on the betting board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers playing us to the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to Graham Ashcraft getting the start. Colin Ray is on the bump for the Brewers, and the Brewers are a moderate size favor. You're finding them anywhere between minus 117 to a minus 125. Plus 105 to plus 110 is your number on the Reds. Nine is the total. Over is between minus 110 to a minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. And this is a scenario where I did set the Brewers at a minus 128 with Colin Ray. If you do have a trepidation, it is the fact that he's honestly been a little bit worse when he has been at home rather than when he has been on the road. And he does go up against a hot pitcher in Graham Ashcraft that he had a May and June where his ERA was hovering right in the neighborhood of nine, but he's experiencing a little bit of a renaissance, having given up two runs or fewer in each out of his last four starts, having won at least six innings in every one of them. Ashcraft still giving up right around 3.75 walks per nine innings, giving up just under 1.4 home runs per nine innings, all while getting fewer than six and a half strikeouts per nine innings. So not necessarily too terrific there, but just getting away from Great American Ballpark has been big for him as well. He's got a 671 home ERA compared to a 442 ERA on the road, giving up less than a home run per nine innings when he is on the road, though. He's had his issues with the Brewers. It is two starts against the Brewers. He's given up 11 runs over the course of 10 innings. Colin Ray is no stranger to the Cincinnati Reds as well. He has faced off against them twice, giving up eight runs over the course of nine and two-thirds innings. And for Ray, 531 home ERA, 403 ERA on the road. And at home for Ray, giving up nearly two home runs per nine innings compared to one home run per nine innings on the road. So good old scenario of something's got to give for the Brewers. They are in the bottom two in the National League in terms of home runs on a per at-bat basis when they are on the road at home. They do a much better job with that regard, but still dead last in the National League in terms of overall batting average. You do have four separate guys that will be able to give you 12 plus home runs. Rowdy Tellis is currently dealing with an injury. Christian Yelich, Joey Weimer, Willie Adamas, and among all these guys, the only one hitting above a 213 is Christian Yelich. Yeah, but able to get a little bit of something out of William Contreras, who's been very solid at the catcher spot. 345 on base, double figure amount of homers. That's very good. And Andrew Marisario has been able to move the line, limited sample size, but about a 355 on base. But when you're relying upon the likes of Bryce Terang, Blake Perkins, who are hitting below a 220, that's a big issue. Good news for the Milwaukee Brewers is that the bullpen has been a very good recently. Elvis Bigero, Joe Piams have been really good 7th and 8th inning guys to be able to get the ball to Devin Williams. And the Brewers entering into Sunday are actually number 3 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA over the last 30 days. And then for the Cincinnati Reds, they've been able to do a solid job with their bullpen. It hasn't been great, but you've been able to have like Alex Young, Lucas Sims, Ian Gabo give you sub 3-5 ERAs, Dan Duarte able to do a relatively solid job. Then you've got Alexis CS. Good lockdown closer. The team is 14th overall in terms of bullpen ERA this season. And for the Cincinnati Reds, as much as Great American Ballpark is known for being a hitter's haven, they actually score more runs per game and they've got a better on-base percentage on the road than they do at home. And much of this is because this is just not a home run inning team with the Cincinnati Reds. You do have a trio of guys and Jake Fraley, along with Jonathan India, Spencer Sear, that have all been able to give you 14 home runs. And in the case of Fraley and Steer, combined about 
360 on base, but for the Cincinnati Reds, they're number two in the big leagues in terms of on-base percentage on the road to only the LA Angels, ironically enough, and they're outside of the top eight when it comes to on-base percentage at home this far this season, so I do find that to be a little bit befuddling. I know that Ellie De La Cruz has been a little bit up and down and did get benched over the weekend as well, so that's been a little bit of an issue for this team, but you've been able to get a little bit more pop with Joey Votto being in the fold. Out of his 16 hits thus far, eight of them have flown over the fence. Has not been able to give you a lot of average, but to be able to give you that pop, Matt McLean hitting right around about a 300 as well. So I do think that runs are going to be added in this game. I do think that Ashcraft has been pitching above his head a little bit recently, and I'm willing to trust in Colin Ray a little bit more on what I think is going to be higher scoring game. So by total 9.3, looking at the over with the Brewers, one to lay up to a minus 127 on that money line. 9.55, 9.56 on the bank board. It is the St. Louis Cardinals. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. It is to be determined on the bump for the Saints. And Wayno, Adam Wainwright, is on the bump for the Cardinals. This game is off the board. I'm thinking you're going to get Ryan Nelson against Adam Wainwright. And if you do get Nelson versus Wainwright, we'll be setting the Diamondbacks at a minus 148. We'll be willing to take plus 140 or higher on their run line to where also with the total 9.5 or less, we'll be looking at the over 10 or higher to the under. The big thing with Adam Wainwright is that he has literally given up three plus runs in every one of his starts. Thus far this season, this is going to be his first start since coming off the 15-day injured list. Last time he started was on the 4th of July, where he got lit up for seven runs and three and a third innings against Miami Marlins. That has won three and a third innings or fewer in each out of his last three starts. He has been absolutely terrible all season long for Adam Wainwright. The fielding independent is a little bit below the 766, but not much as he's been giving up darn near 3.4, 3.5 walks per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate is just below two, and he's hardly getting more than five strikeouts per nine innings. Adam Wainwright should just retire, if I'm being honest. And then for Ryan Nelson, he has been significantly worse at home than he has been on the road. 808 home ERA, compared to a 267 ERA on the road. I think he's doing for some positivity at home. I think that he's doing for some negativity on the road. As at home, he has been giving up about 1.7 home runs per nine innings on the road. That's a little bit more than 1.1 home runs per nine innings, with the opponent's batting average falling by about a buck 33 when he is on the road. It's been absolutely incredible, but Nelson has been able to do a good job of putting it together recently, as he has now given up two runs of fear in four out of his last five starts. I do think that that's built a little bit on sand. You do have a San Luis Cardinals team that entered into their series against the Chicago Cubs, averaging about 1.2 runs per game fewer when they are on the road rather than when they are at home. And you do have the two Nolans, Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado, being able to combine for north of 40 home runs apiece with Gorman. Has been having a rough time with the guards batting average in the last 45 days, hardly getting above a 200, but Nolan Arenado back up to about a 340 on base, hitting for a 290. Paul Goldschmidt has been a little bit silent recently, mainly because he just hasn't hit a lot of home runs recently. He's been able to do a very good job of being able to get on base, so 370 on base to go with his 16 home runs. You've got the likes of a Brandon Donovan who's been able to hit 280. Now, Wilson Contreras, he did have to leave one of the games early in that series against the Chicago Cubs. That's something that you do want to be monitoring because over the last three days, he was hitting above a 350. He was really doing a solid job for the team, but now you do have Tyler O'Neill back to fold as well. So the Cardinals, they're getting healthier with that regard. And for the Diamondbacks, they honestly hit a lot more home runs when they're on the road rather than when they're at home. It's been this way the last few seasons, but for Arizona, they do a very solid job of being able to find a way to be able to get on base. This Arizona Diamondbacks team is currently 
number seven in the big leagues in terms of runs per game, averaging, frankly enough, about 4.5 runs per game. I know more like 5.4 runs per game when they're on the road, but you've got a fearsome foursome. Christian Walker, Corbin Carroll, Quito Marte, Lourdes Correal, all being able to give you at least 15 home runs. In the case of Carroll, 29 stolen bases. He and Marte, both north of a 360 on base. Walker and Goriel, more around a 255 to 260 average. Geraldo Perdomo also has about a 380 on base. Emmanuel Rivera has been a very solid job at being able to find a way on base as well. And then you just take a look at the bullpens of these two teams, and neither is necessarily too great, but with the Diamondbacks, you have much more faith in them as the Cardinals are currently 23rd in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Jojo Romero is the only real reliever that has a sub-3-5 ERA. You've had a lot of struggles with this team with having the likes of Andre Pallante, Chris Stratton, Giovanni Gallegos not really coming to the forefront, all owning at least 375 ERAs. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Kyle Nelson, Miguel Castro, Andrew Chafin. These are guys giving you a sub-3 ERA, though. I will say Scott McGough you know, has not necessarily been too terrific for the team. has not been able to get things to a go. So Diamondbacks right there on par with the Cardinals. They both have a 440 bullpen ERA, but certainly have much more faith in Mr. Nelson than I do in Adam Wainwright in this spot. So this is a case where if we do get this pitching matchup, we'll be willing to lay up to a minus 147 on the Diamondbacks, plus 140 or higher looking at the run line, and then 9.5 or less looking at the overtender higher to the under. 957, 958 on the bank board. The Pittsburgh Pirates are on the road. They're facing off against the San Diego Padres. Says you Darvish goes for the pods, and Quinn Pressler is on the bump for the Pirates, and the Pirates are going to be finding them as a big underdog. Anywhere between plus 210 and plus 215, anywhere between minus 255 to minus 260 is the number on the Padres, with that run line being a minus 120, 8.5 is the total. The under is minus 115, and the over, that is minus 105, and this is a case where I was willing to go up to a minus 130 on the run line of the Padres. I would have needed north of a minus 240 to be able to take a shot on that Pirates money line. And with Quinn Pressler, he wasn't necessarily great at the minor league level. I recognize he's a former first-round pick. And I do think that there's a good chance that he is going to be able to put it together eventually. But I just don't think that he is ready for the big leagues quite yet. That was shown through in his first career start, getting lit up like a Christmas tree, giving up seven runs in five and a third innings against the Cleveland Guardians at home. Now, I do recognize that San Diego is very much a pitcher's ballpark, but man, this is not necessarily a case where you want to be going up against this Padres team because ever since the All-Star break, recognize that the Sunday morning game on Peacock did not necessarily go well for them, but you have had the uh, big-time trio really being able to step up as Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado. All these guys have between 17 and 19 home runs for Soto, 420 on base. Tatis Jr. has been hitting above a 300 over the last 45 days. And Manny Machado, since coming off the injured list, hitting just below a 300 as well. And then you do have Xander Bogarts, Austin Kim, both hitting north of a 263 with 11-plus home runs apiece. The big thing that has been ailing the San Diego Padres, they've been a very top-heavy lineup as you've got the likes of Frank Grisham, Drake Cronenworth, the entirety of the catcher spot, Runan Odor, Brandon Dixon, Matt Carpenter, all in a 215 or lower to the credit of Grisham. He has been able to provide about a 320 on base, but also with the San Diego Padres, you need this bullpen to be firing all cylinders once again because for much of the season, they were actually the number one team in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA. That has went completely down the tubes recently. If you take a look ever since the beginning of the month of June, the San Diego Padres are actually 21st in the big leagues. 
in terms of bullpen ERA, that is a very, very concerning as we have seen Nick Martinez not be as sharp. Tom Cosgrove has been able to do a solid job, and Josh Hader just continues to be Josh Hader. But over the last month and a half or so, this has been a bullpen that has been very untrustworthy, to say the least, with the likes of Brent Honeywell and company having to fill in for injuries like with Steven Wilson. I know that they've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Domingo Tapia as well, but the good news is you've got a Pittsburgh Pirates team that in that time span, they are 24th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. David Benar, Yuri De Los Santos, have been relatively solid bullpen pieces. Both of these guys giving you a sub-3 at 50 ERA. Dory Moretta's been relatively okay as well, but you've been having Colin Holderman not necessarily be so great. Jose Hernandez just got off the injured list. He has been having a rough go of it ever since his return. Ryan Baruki is north of 4 ERA. And for the San Diego Padres, they get to go up against a Pittsburgh Pirates lineup that has been absolutely terrible as far as this season. Ever since the beginning of the month of June, the uh, Pirates are averaging about 3.6 runs per contest as a few in the National League. Jack Swinitsky is the only guy in the roster that has been able to give you north of 10 home runs. He's been able to pound out 20. Brian Reynolds over the last 35 days is hitting below a buck 75. You'll be dealing with some injuries to the likes of Rodolfo Castro and company. I know that Cabrian Hayes has been in and out of the fold and Hayes He's hitting about a 255. Reynolds for the season is hitting about a 260. But the likes of Topico Americano, Castro, I just mentioned, you've been having the likes of even a Carlos Santana and Josh Palacios hitting below 235 with no power. That's an issue. Henry Davis has come up through the big league bubble and has been able to provide right around about a 380 on base. But all in all, it's a pirate team that's very untrustworthy. And for you, Darvish, he has certainly been having his struggles all season long. Entered into the All Star break. Having given up three plus runs and five out of his previous six starts, but post All Star break, he's given up one run over the course of 12 innings in his two starts on the road against the Blue Jays and the Phillies, both being wins. Looks like he is back. He has still been able to get right around nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. The north of three walks per nine innings has been a little bit stunning, but Yu Darvish, ever since he got to San Diego, has had an ERA that has been much better at home rather than on the road, and that's been the case this year. 383 home ERA compared to a 486 ERA on the road. This was a scenario where I was willing to lay up to about a minus 130 on the run line. Being able to get minus 120, sign me up there. Did set my tell it at 8.3. Buyers have just had a tough time scoring all season long, so looking at the under and that Padres run line. 959-960 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals, they're facing off against the Cleveland Guardians as Logan Allen goes for the Guardians and Ryan Yarbrough is on the bump for the Royals. The Royals are between plus 160 and plus 172 underdogs. Any between minus 185 to minus 195 is your number on Cleveland. Enough is the total. The over and the under any between minus 105 to a minus 115. And for Cleveland, you're able to get that run line anywhere between about plus 105 to plus 110. And with Cleveland, I was willing to lay up to a minus 102 on that run line. So sign me up there. Pretty much even money or better was a take for me. And I just cannot trust in Ryan Yarbrough and this Kansas City Royals team. It's a great story because we remember Ryan Yarbrough. He was hit in the face with that baseball a little bit earlier in the season. Has been able to return and and his two starts since returning has not been bad, giving up four runs over the course of 11 and two-thirds innings against, ironically enough, the Guardians and against the Detroit Tigers. So that's been relatively good. But you look at Ryan Yarbrough just throughout his career. He has never really been the most sharp of pitchers. He's always done a good job of being able to keep the walks down. He's got a career walks per nine rate that hovers right around two. But strikeouts per nine rate has never really exceeded seven. 
He does give up a little bit of the deep ball as well, just because he gives up a lot of contact in general. A career about 440 ERA pitcher, so I've got my concerns on that front. Meanwhile, for Logan Allen, ever since he has been sent up to the big leagues, he was actually sent down for a little bit of time before he was sent back up due to necessity. But all in all, he's been able to do a solid job of being able to get swings and misses, nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. It's actually been worse when he has been in Cleveland rather than on the road, 255 road ERA, 394 ERA at home, but he's giving up about 0.85 home runs per nine innings and gets to go up against the Royals bunch that is currently dead last in the American League in terms of on-base percentage, even worse than the Oakland A's. You've got two guys that have been able to find out the deep ball, Salvador Perez, Bobby Wood Jr., 16 home runs apiece, both fitting in the neighborhood about a 245 to a 255, but then from there, you got just so many guys that they can't find a way on base. Michael Massey, Kyle Isabel, MJ Melendez, Samad Taylor, Nate Eaton. You just go down the list of guys that are in a 220 or lower. And really, other than Nicky Lopez, none of these guys are giving you north of 295 on base. Vinny Pascantino being out for the year has really hurt this team. Freddie Fermin has actually been able to about a 295 in a relatively small sample size, but all in all, it's a rough state of affairs. And for the Royals, they have the second-worst bullpen area in the big leagues. You've got the likes of Austin Cox, Nick Whitgren, Scott Barlow, Dylan Coleman, all these guys giving you north of a four-year A. There's really not a trustworthy arm in that bullpen. Meanwhile, the Cleveland Guardians, they continue to be a top-three team in terms of bullpen ERA, as even with Emmanuel Classe being a little bit shaky, and James Karinczak currently being on the injured list, you still have so many guys with the likes of Trevor Steven, Daniel De Los Santos, Eli Morgan, these guys being able to give you a sub-340 ERA. You've been having a rough go of it recently for Sam Entages, but all in all, this has been a very good Cleveland Guardians bullpen lineup. They are dead last in the big leagues in terms of total home runs. They've been able to move line a little bit more as you did have last year Oscar Gonzalez, Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, Stephen Kwan, Will Brandon, all at a 270 or higher last season. The only guy hitting above a 270 right now is Stephen Kwan, but Rosario, Brandon, they're both hitting about a 255 to 260. Feels like these guys are starting to be able to pick it up. And I do think that the Cleveland Guardians are going to be able to get a little bit of something generated off of Ryan Yarbrough. And then they just slice and dice that very, very bad bullpen. So I did set my total at 8.6. You're at 8.5. Going to be one. Take a look at the over and with the Guardians. Won't take even money or better on that run line. 961-862 on the betting board. It is even as the Twins playing with the Seattle Mariners. It is undecided going for the Seattle Mariners. Meanwhile, Ken Tavaeda is on the bump. For the Minnesota Twins, this is a game that's off the board. Right now, DraftKings is lining it up as if it is going to be one Luis Castillo. And on this one, and Caesars has lined up as well. Finding the Twins any between even money and plus 105. Between minus 115 to minus 120 on Seattle with a total of 7.5 over at minus 115. And the under is minus 105. Assuming that is correct with it being Castillo versus Maeda. Actually set the Twins as a very light favorite at a minus 108. And I would be taking a look at the 7.5 over because with Luis Casio, he just has not been the same pitcher when he has been on the road rather than when he has been at home for Casio. He's actually done a remarkable job of being able to keep the walks down. He is down to in the neighborhood about 2.5 walks per 9 innings, but he's got a 351 road ERA compared to a 279 home ERA. And on the road, he's giving up about 1.7 home runs per 9 innings with opponents sitting about 43 points higher off of him when he is on the road. Meanwhile, for Kenta Maeda, he has come off the injured list, and he has looked very sharp in his five starts since coming off the injured list. Three runs or fewer surrendered in every one of them. Two runs or fewer in all, but one of them, as in this stretch, he's got an ERA overall that is a 273. His numbers are warped because he had, like, one really, really bad start 
before he went on the injured list, but all in all, has been able to do a very solid job. His swing and miss stuff is back overall for the season, and has been able to give you north of 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And the Minnesota Twins sneakily back him with one of the best bullpens that you're going to find in the big leagues. Now, for the Seattle Manors, they entered into the weekend number three in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. This has went down a little bit, and the Minnesota Twins, they're now back at number four in terms of bullpen area. They did have to play a 12-inning game yesterday, so this is a bullpen that is a little bit more burnt, but you do have you under and Jordan Balazovic, who will be able to give you a sub-250 ERA. Mario Lopez has had a little bit of a rough year, but Griffin Jacks giving you a sub-3 ERA. Alvaro Ortega coming in, doing some very good work. Has been rock solid. I do think that Maeda going to be able to lend a little bit of length. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Manors, they've been able to do a very good job of being able to mix and match as they've been without one of their top relievers from last year in Ben Murphy, but you've had so many guys be able to step up like a Isaiah Campbell, Andres Munoz, Ty Adcock, Paul Sewell, Justin Topa, all being able to give you a 3.45 ERA better. Big issue for really both of these teams is that they're both in the bottom seven of the big leagues in terms of overall batting average, but both of them may do have some thumping power for these Seattle Manors. You really have six different players that will give you a double-figure amount of homers. Mike Ford has come on very hot recently at home run yesterday. He's getting a home run every about 11 or so at bat, sitting about at 255 as well. And then you've got Eugenio Suarez, Cal Raleigh, Julio Rodriguez, Seas Hernandez. All between 14 and 16 home runs with Hernandez and Rodriguez. They're both giving you about a 245 on base, but you've got Rodriguez and Suarez as the only two of these guys that will be able to give you north of a 303 on base. Jared Kelnick for the season about a 320 on base with 11 home runs, but he has really struggled over the last 45 days. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, you just need more average out of these guys as well as Byron Buxton, Joey Gallo, Cor- Carlos Correa, Michael A. Taylor, Max Kepler. All between 11 and 17 home runs. The only of these guys hitting above a 222 is Carlos Correa, and he's the only guy with north of a 300 on base as well. But Edward Julian has been able to give you about a 390 on base. You've been able to get good production recently out of Ryan Jeffers at 380 on base. Donovan Solano moves the line. Could use Royce Lewis back in the fold, but I really like the way that Kent Maeda is rolling in. Luis Castillo just has not been the same pitcher when he has been on the road rather than when he is at home. So this is a spot where I did set the Minnesota Twins as a very slight favorite. Would be willing to side with them on the money line and did best semi-total at a 7.8. So here to 7.5 also looking at this total over. Now we have my DK Network right to pick 963-964 on the betting board. The Walker Texas Rangers are going to be playing OC Houston Astros as Brandon Belak is going to be going for the Astros. And 55 shades of John Gray is on the bump for Texas. And Texas is back to being a favorite of between minus 115 to a minus 120, between even money and plus 105, your number on Houston. Ain't half is the total, the over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105, and my write-up pick, that is going to be on the total over, as I set my total at a 9.5. You've got a pair of pitchers that have north of a point higher on their fielding independent rather than their ERA, and for the Houston Astros, on any given night, they can throw out of their nine players in the lineup, Eight guys are in at least at 270 with the other guy being a Dolas Garcia. It's just absolutely rampant what you've got with regards to this lineup. They are number one in terms of runs per game. They lead the American League at batting average. They lead the American League in terms of on-base percentage as well. Corey Seager continues it. Darn near a 350 with a double-figure amount of homers. Even someone like Ezekiel Dern has been able to find a double-figure amount of homers thus far this season as well. Everyone for the Texas Rangers team is hitting and under the radar since the beginning of the month of June. The Houston Astros are number two in the American League in terms of runs per game. 
to only the Texas Rangers. Kyle Tucker has all of a sudden been able to pick it up for this team. Hitting for about a 300, 17 home runs, has done a tremendous job of being able to move the line. Alex Bregman has been up and down all season long, but feels like he's starting to find a little bit of something as well. 16 home runs as far this season. He has had a home run and now three out of his last four games, so starting to heat up there. If you take a look at last 30 days for him, he's been able to give you about a 355 on base. You still need to get Jeremy Pena going, but even though there are a few guys that you would like to see their on-base percentage be a little bit better, you do have the likes of Yanir Diaz, Corey Jokes, Mauricio Dubon, hitting between about a 260 to 270. Now, with the Astros, very good bullpen. They're in the top eight in terms of bullpen here, right? You've been able to have a fearsome foursome and Brian Abreu, Ryan Presley, Phil Maton, Hector Neris, all be able to give you a sub-3 ERA, but Rafael Montero Bull has, well, been terrible thus far this season. Seth Martinez has been having a little bit of a rough go of it as well. And for the Texas Rangers, this bunch is in the bottom seven of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA as well. I think that there should be some positivity doing for them. They've got some nice pieces. Jose LeClerc, Brock Burke, the newly acquired Aroldis Chapman, Will Smith. These are guys giving you a sub-3-5 ERA, but... Frankly, they have not been able to cut it. Runs been able to cut it as Adolis Garcia, though, leading the league in terms of RBI. And then you do take a look at the starting pitchers for John Gray. He has now allowed at least four runs, three of which earned in three out of his last four starts. One of those starts coming up against Houston, where last time he faced off against Houston on the 30th of June, gave up five runs in six innings. For John Gray, he has an ERA that's hovering in the neighborhood about a 331. Fielding independent is north of a 4-4 as He's getting about 7.2 strikeouts at three walks per nine innings. Not giving up a ton of deep balls. We're right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings. And stunningly, has posted up an ERA of a 231 on the road compared to a 413 at home. But he has been pitching way above his head thus far this season with all the contact that he's giving up. And for Brandon Belock, he's got a 346 ERA. 514 fielding independent. He gets fewer than seven strikeouts per nine innings. He's giving up north of 1.3 home runs per nine innings. He's giving up north of three and a half walks per nine innings. Now, to his credit, he has been able to do a nice job giving up a grand total of two earned runs over the course of his last three starts. Comes with a little bit of an asterisk. Two of those starts come against Colorado Rockies, and then one of those starts comes up against the Seattle Mariners, and I think that he's doing for a lot of regression. 287 home ERA compared to a 401 ERA on the road. So, I do think that both of these teams that are 1-2 and two in terms of runs per game in the American League ever since the beginning of the month of June, they are going to be able to get out there and they are going to be able to match. So my DK Network write-up pick, that is on this total over. And I did set the Astros as a very slight favorite. John Gray has been having his issues against the Houston Astros. Astros have the by far better bullpen in this spot and they are at home. So I set the Astros at a minus 1 of 6. Won't take them on the money line. Write a pick. That is going to be on this total over. 965-966 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants at the road to face off against the Detroit Tigers. Tariq Skubal is on the bump for Detroit. And you've got undecided on the bump for San Francisco. This is a game that's presently off the board. Was seen before Ross Rippling being listed as the starter for the San Francisco Giants. They have utilized an opener for Ross Stripling before. Right now, ESPN still has Ross Stripling. So, I'm thinking that you're probably going to get like four innings of Ross Stripling is sort of the expectation here. You might be able to get him to go a little bit longer as last start. He was able to fill a full six against the Cincinnati Reds. But that's sort of the expectation here. This one very too much if you have sort of a bulk game slash a bullpen game of the Giants. But thinking that it's going to be Stripling against Drake Scoobal. I set the Giants as a minus 126 favorite on the money line with 
a total of an 8.1 to where an 8 or less looking at the over 8.5 prior to the under. If you do get Ross Stripling, he's actually been able to do a better job on the road than he has at home. 460 road area compared to a 797 ERA at home. And ever since Ross Stripling has resurfaced in his last 30 days, a 372 ERA. So it's looked a little bit better there. And he's backed up by a Giants bullpen that is number one in the big leagues in terms of ERA since the beginning of the month of May. They just had a cataclysmically bad first month of the season. But you've got so many guys like the closer and Camilio Duvall. Both of the Rodgers brothers, Luke Jackson, Ryan Walker, all these guys being able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. And then when it comes to Tariq Skubal, he has come back up to the big league level. He was injured towards the beginning part of the season. And in two out of his three starts, he has given up zero runs. Now got completely destroyed in his last start against the Kansas City Royals. I think that that was a little bit more of an outlier. The Kansas City Royals just ran into a very lucky day in general. But for Tariq Skubal... In his 12 innings, he's gotten 14 strikeouts, has given up just three walks, has yet to give up a home run. He's starting to regain that form. I'm thinking that he probably goes like four to five innings. The Tigers are not going to push him too far since the Tigers are looking pretty out of this race. And I mean, they've got a league average bullpen that backs him. Jason Foley, Jose C. Sereno, Tyler Holton. These are guys that have been able to give you a sub 3-5 ERA. Alex Lang has been a little bit up and down, but he's been improving over the last few days as well. I think that he's a relatively solid pitcher. Jason Shreve is able to give you a few okay innings as well. So, all in all, that's not really the issue with the Tigers. The big thing with the Tigers is that they're in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of both runs per game and on-base percentage. You get Riley Green back in the fold, that is very beneficial as he's been hitting a little bit above a 300 thus far this season. But you've only got three guys on the roster right now with north of seven home runs. Gary Carpenter, Jake Rogers, and Spencer Torkelson. And with Torkelson, along with Rogers, they're both hitting at 230 or lower. Gary Carpenter has been able to move the line a little bit, but you just have so many liabilities at the plate for this team. Javi Baez continues to post up right around about a 260 on base. You've had Akil Batu be out of the fold all season long, and even when he's been in it, he's been aiming for about a 215. Andy Abanias has honestly been okay, but he only gives you about a 271 on base. You just have a Tigers team that they don't walk a lot, they don't have a lot of power. It's a big giant issue, and for the San Francisco Giants, they've got significantly better road offensive numbers rather than at home, just because well, they play at Oracle Park, and Oracle Park is really hard to be able to pound the ball out of, which is why the San Francisco Giants are having right around 5.1 runs per game on the road compared to more like four runs per game when they're at home for the San Francisco Giants, about 1.3 home runs per game on the road compared to just one at home. And with the San Francisco Giants as a whole, is greater than some of its parts lineup that utilizes a lot of platooning. So they're able to match up very well against both righties and lefties. You've got six different guys with at least 10 home runs and nobody north of 13. Jack Peterson, Mike Yastrzemski, J.D. Davis, Blake Sobel, Wilmer Flores, Michael Conforto, all in that fold. And when it comes to all these guys, all but two of them have at least a 330 on base. So they do a nice job moving the line there. Lamonte Wade Jr., who's at nine home runs, he's got north of a 400 on base. This team does a very good job of being able to mix and match. So I do have faith that the Giants should be able to pull this game out. Like I said, I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a defense-oriented game because you've got a Tigers team that really can't hit, and you've got a Giants bunch that is going up against someone in Tariq Skubal, I think is going to be able to do a solid job. Eight or less looking at the over eight and a half higher to the under. With the Giants, one to lay up to a minus 125 on their money line, plus 127 or more looking at the Tigers. 967-968 on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles, they're on the road. They're facing up against the Philadelphia Phillies. One, Christopher Sanchez goes... 
for the Phillies. And Dean Kramer is on the bump for Baltimore. Baltimore is an underdog of between plus 110 to a plus 115, between minus 123 to minus 130. Your number on Philadelphia, 9.5 is your total. Unders between minus 115 to a minus 120. The overs any between even a minus 105. And with Philadelphia, made them a minus 111 favorite. I needed at least a plus 112 to take a shot on the Orioles, and we have been able to get there with Kramer. He's not lighting the world on fire. This is not going to be someone that is going to get you like a double-figure amount of strikeouts. He's not going to completely dazzle you, but he just simply gets the job done. A lot of five to six innings, giving up three runs sort of performances. I will say, for Kramer, he has given up two runs or fewer in two out of his last three starts. Has been able to do a nice job of being able to keep the walks down, about two and a half walks, eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. The big grip tonight for him has been the depot, giving up 1.8 home runs per nine innings. That's why he's got a 480 ERA and a fielding independent that is a little bit north of five. But he does go up against the Philadelphia Phillies lineup that just balanced in terms of overall firepower has been eluding them. Kyle Schwarber has been able to give you 26 home runs. You've got Nick Cassianos, who's been able to pound out 14 home runs. Nobody else has north of 12, which has been a big issue. And for Schwarber, he's hitting a buck 85. Recognize that the on-base percentage isn't terrible, but you need him to do a little bit better with that regard. Nick Cassianos has been in a little bit of a funk as well as he, Alec Bohm, Brandon Marsh are all in between about a 275 to 285. But Cassianos, I mean, as little as two weeks ago, sitting above a 300. Bryson saw he still continues at a 300. And for Bryce Harper, the power numbers are just not there. He's got four home runs in 66 games as far as the season, but as we will give you about a 385 on base. The Phillies are one of the best teams at being able to move a line, but they're also towards the top of the big leagues in terms of runners left on base just because they don't necessarily have a lot of pop in the bat because of Bryce Harper dealing with the injury, because of Reese Hoskins being out for the season as well. So you need a little bit more out of Trey Turner and JT Riamuto. Combined 22 home runs out of both of these guys, both hitting below 250. That's a little bit unacceptable. Flip side for the Baltimore Orioles. They actually entered into their series with the Tampa Bay Rays, number one in the big leagues, in terms of runs per game on the road. They just continue to put up about five, six runs per game every single road game. You don't necessarily have that one fearsome bat, though Anthony Santander has been tremendous this year. 17 home runs, 265 average. Ever since that first month of the season in which he was dealing with the back issue, he has really been an underrated piece for this team. But you've got someone like an Austin Hayes who hits just below a 300. Adelie Rushman moves the line, 370 on base. 13 home runs. Adam Frazier, Ryan Mountcastle, 11 to 12 home runs apiece. Don't hit for necessarily the world's greatest average, but they come up with clutch hits when needed. You need more out of Jorge Mateo. He's been hitting below the Mendoza line of 200 really since the beginning of the month of May, but does give you 23 stolen bases. Ryan O'Hearn has been hitting above a 300 ever since Aaron Hicks has come over from the Yankees. He's been able to give you 350 on base and for the Orioles. It's a top-heavy bullpen, but it's got the best one-two punch that you're going to find in the big leagues. Felix Batista, Yanir Cano, both supplying a sub-150 ERA. From there, Danny Kildombe, he's been able to do a solid job. He's been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Pretty much everyone passed that as north of a 375 ERA. The likes of CNL Perez, Brian Baker, Mike Bauman, you could use a little bit more there, but that's a good starting place. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, this bullpen has been in the top six in terms of the big leagues, in terms of ERA over the last three days, and really the last two months in general. This has been a very good bullpen. You did see a hiccup from Craig Kimbrell yesterday, but all in all, over the last about 60, 75 days, he has been able to do a solid job. Gregory Soto is starting to pick it up a little bit more, and Andrew Vasquez has stunned me all season long. He's been able to give you about a two ERA, so I do like with the Phillies able to provide there. And for Christopher Sanchez, he has been able to take some strides forward this year as a starter, but I do fear that regression is going to be in for him a little bit. He's got a 306 ERA. The fielding independent does not match up with that. He has given up three runs or fewer in every single one of his starts 
I'm just wondering how long it's going to be until things really fall off for him. Because the one thing that Sanchez does a very good job of is he doesn't give up a lot of walks. He is giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings, but he's also giving up 1.3 home runs per nine innings at fielding independent, nearly a point higher than his 306 ERA at a 394. So I do have some issues there in the Phillies, despite the fact that Sanchez has pitched relatively well. They've went just one and four in his last five starts. So being able to get north of a plus 112 on the Orioles, I'm going to be taking them on the money line. Did semi-total at a 9.2. So here at the nine and a half, going to be taking a look at the under. We're at things up with 969, 970 on the main board. The LA Dodgers, they play also the Toronto Blue Jays. Jose Barrios goes for the Toronto Blue Jays, and Michael Grove is on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers are between minus 130 to minus 135 favorites. Between plus 115 and plus 120 is your number on Toronto. 9.5 is the total. The under is between minus 110 to a minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 110. And I did set my total at a 9.7. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. If we could just get two more pennies on this one. And I'm thinking that when the dime lines come out here in Las Vegas at places like Circa, South Point, I should be able to get there. That would be a play for me on the Toronto Blue Jays. It's just tough for me to be able to take Michael Grove in. Has Michael Grove been a little bit unlucky this year to have north of a 6 ERA? Absolutely, he has been. But at the same time, it just appears as though Michael Grove has been thrown around and he's been messed throw more innings than he probably should have. As right now, he's got a 640 ERA, fielding independent more is around a 483. But eight strikeouts per nine innings, three walks per nine innings, while giving up 1.6 home runs. For nine innings that all of a sudden Vlad Guerrero Jr. is finding it. He had a little bit of a cheap shot home run yesterday, but I mean, ever since partaking in the home run derby, it's always a misnomer that these guys, they completely fall off. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has honestly been playing his best baseball of the season ever since the home run derby. So, I mean, that clearly tilts that on its axis. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, and you've got a lot of guys that they just do a solid job of being able to reach base. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Matt Chapman, Bo Bichette, George Springer, all between a 332 to a 350 on base. All these guys have between 12 and 17 home runs. Bichette has really been the top guy in terms of being able to hit for average, hitting for a little bit above a 300 average, 16 home runs. George Springer is up to 13 home runs. And then you've got Danny Jansen, who's been able to supply 12 bombs. He's been looking a little bit better recently. You've got Brandon Belt being able to give you a 370 on base. Alejandro Kirk has been a little bit in and out of the fold. It's not been the world's greatest season for him, but still giving you about a 333 on base as well. And for the Blue Jays, they did have to dive into that bullpen a little bit yesterday, but this has been one of the best bullpens in the big leagues. They rank in the top five in terms of bullpen ERA. They did have to use up a lot of these arms yesterday, so they might have to pitch some backs to backs. But you've got Tim Meza, Eric Swanson, Jay Jackson, who have all been able to give you a uh, sub-3 ERA. Genesis Cabrera is a guy that they're picking up off the scrap heap from the Cardinals. Has had a rough season this year, but has had past success. Jordan Romano has been a very lockdown closer for the team and for the LA Dodgers. Credit where credit is due. The bullpen recently has been a whole heck of a lot better. As over the last 30 days, they're staring at being a top-two team in terms of bullpen ERA. Overall for the season, though, it's an L.A. Dodgers team that also is in the bottom 12 with regards to bullpen ERA. Alex Vesia, Phil Bickford, these are guys that are just not living up to their billing. Yancey Almonte as well. These are all guys that have been able to supply a 465 ERA or better. I will say, ever since Ryan Brazier came over to L.A., he's been posting up a sub-2 ERA. was terrible with the Red Sox. I do think that this is a product of small sample size, but you do have the likes of Evan Phillips, Bruce Arter, Gratterall, Caleb Ferguson providing a sub-2.5 ERA, so that's very beneficial. And for the L.A. Dodgers, this team is really number two in the National League. In terms of home runs, the obvious number one is the Atlanta Braves, and the Atlanta Braves have just been historic this year, but Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, J.D. Martinez, 
They've all been able to slug out at least 20 home runs. And for Betts, Martinez, along with Max Muncy, all at least 24 home runs. Muncy is hitting just a buck 96, but right around a 330 on base. That's actually better than JD Martinez is on base, and he hits about a 263. Betts has been able to give you about a 380 on base. Freddie Freeman, he's hitting for a 330. He has been very good this year. In a normal year, you'd be thinking that he's a front runner for MVP, and then you've been able to have someone like Miguel Vargas. He is just buck 95, but a 305 on base, and that's what the Dodgers do. They draw walks. They're number two in the big leagues in terms of walks on a per at bat basis. They go up against someone in Jose Barrios, who he's always had demonstrative home and road splits. Even back with his time with the Minnesota Twins, it was this way. If you look at the entirety of his career, his ERA on the road is about 1.4 points higher than it is at home. This year, the splits have not been as bad to 85 home ERA compared to a 384 road ERA, but you always fear that the bottom is going to fall out on him a little bit. He's been giving up less than home run for nine innings on the road this season, and I just trusted him a little bit more than Michael Grove, but I do trust in the Dodgers lineup a little bit more, but at a plus 122 or greater, I'm going to be willing to buy in on the Blue Jays, and here to nine and a half, going to be taking a look at the over, and that will wrap things up. For the Monday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast, a big thanks to Justin Perry of Shock Quality Best for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune. And if you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNNR41. Keep in mind, letters DM. Amy does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it's very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. 